Al Berry. I gotta find a different line of work because I can't afford any of this stuff. And Tim Parrish. I'm not a panini hater by any means. Seriously, after that whole experience, I'm out. I don't want to deal with that. This is the Puck Junk Podcast. Welcome to the newest episode of the Puck Junk Podcast. A couple days late, a couple dollars short, but that's okay. We're here now. You're here now listening. That's the important thing. Sal Barry, along with Tim Parrish, back from the, not the dead, but you guys played a Halloween concert a couple days ago. We did. And then you got sick. And then I got sick. Yeah, I'm feeling a little under the weather, but I'm going to power through. So. All right. Well, what a trooper. Yeah. So today we're going to talk about the, uh, it's been out for a little while, but we're going to talk about the new OPG hockey set. We're going to talk about some current releases. Tim's got a couple of interesting eBay auction items he wants to talk about. Just to recap, I've been really following the Tops Now hockey stickers. I've been really excited about that. I'm probably one of the few people that are really excited about these stickers. I still don't have them in my hand. I still haven't gotten them, but I'm excited. Um, I'm excited to see Tops doing a tangible, physical product. I like sticker albums. As I said before, the week one print run was 1,483 packs. Week two was 1,020 packs. So there was a you know dip of about 460-odd packs. Week three... The production went up to 1,444 packs. Now, a lot of that had to do with the Capo Caco Chase sticker that was designed to look like a uh, 9091 Bowman hockey card. So that was going to happen. That makes sense. Yeah, so that's going to happen one in three packs. So I'm going to assume a lot of people bought three packs. I'm going to actually assume that instead of buying three packs, I'm going to bet that a lot of them bought five packs. And I'll tell you why. I bought five packs because if you buy three packs, it's seven fifty a pack, so that's seven fourteen twenty. That's twenty two fifty. But if you buy five packs, it's twenty seven forty nine. So for only a couple dollars more, you can get five packs instead of three packs. Well, I don't really need five packs, but then I'm like, well, I don't really need three packs either. But then I thought about it, and I'm like, eh, it's only five dollars more. It increases my chances of getting the chase sticker because one out of three doesn't guarantee that i'm going to get it if i buy three you would think it would but it doesn't five i felt that that gave me better odds here's the week three checklist sonny milano Sidney crosby connor mcdavid evander kane jack hughes gustav nyquist john carlson david pasternak uh victor meat and uh, nick suzuki are on the same sticker they both scored their first goal for the canadians so they're on the same sticker Uh, So I figured that at least like the Crosby, the McDavid and the Hughes stickers, I could probably sell and get get some money for. Maybe. Of course, maybe everybody's thinking that. I said, yeah, you run that risk. Everybody with the same idea. Well, but you know what? If I was not collecting these stickers, but I was a Sidney Crosby collector, I'd gladly pay somebody, you know, three bucks, five bucks for this sticker instead of having to mess around with buying all of them, although all of them was only seven fifty. Uh, and then sure. they also had a 10% off coupon. So uh, I utilized that. They gave a 10% off coupon because their shipment of the week one stickers is delayed. And they're like, we're sorry. Here is a 10% off coupon. 
and I'm still waiting for the week one stickers. The week four sticker packs are out now. They're only going to be online a little bit longer. So the checklist so far for that is uh, Andre Vasilevsky, Tony D'Angelo, Nick Letty, you know, with his hat trick, Brian Little, Patrice Bergeron, Elias Pettersson. The seven through nine are still to be announced. We don't know who they'll be. So that's what's going on with Tops Now stickers. As far as Upper Deck game dated moments, uh, the week three cards, uh, card number eight is Sidney Crosby. Card number nine is Nick Suzuki. Card number 10 is Jack Hughes. And those are $3.99 each, but you have to make uh, a purchase on EPAC in order to unlock these cards and then buy them for $4 each. So I got to tell you, I mean, if you like cards better, than stickers, obviously you're probably going to lean more towards game dated moments. But what I'm liking is, is that because Tops Now is doing nine stickers at a time, they're really covering a lot of topics. I mean, game dated moments, you get like maybe on a really great week, you might get five different cards, but really it's like three or four. So I feel like the Tops Now stickers are really building more of a weekly history of what's going on in the NHL. Yeah, because I think the upper deck ones, they almost seem like it's whoever the three stars of the week were, and that's who they give, unless there's obviously some kind of milestone that happens. Right. Um, or if give... Carter Hutton's one of those stars, then they're not going to make that card for my PC, you know, because I was kind of hoping that tops or game-dated moments would include Hutton, and they didn't. So back-to-back oh. shutouts, but nah. <laughs> Yikes. Also um, on the horizon, uh, coming out November 6th, is um, Upper Deck Series 1, which we'll talk about more right around the release date of that. Of course, you know, every hockey card collector is looking forward to Upper Deck Series 1. I don't know a hockey card collector who doesn't buy Upper Deck Series 1. I mean, there are some people who buy Opeechee, some people who don't buy Opeechee. There are people who buy SP Authentic and people who don't buy SP Authentic. There's people who buy the cup, people who don't buy the cup. But I think, like, Upper Deck Series... There's way more people who don't buy the cup. Well, yeah, okay. I'm I'm sure, right? But um, it's, yeah, it's a little... Barrier to entry is a little high. But then, uh, yeah, so Upper Deck Series 1 and Series 2 are, like, the, you know, the sets that everyone can agree on. Flagship is always the bestseller, I think. Yeah, it makes me wish that it was a bigger set. I long for the days of the 700-card upper deck hockey sets. I've talked to their uh, marketing and PR guy about doing an upper deck Series 3, and they're just like, nah, there's there's no interest in it. But I would love a They already do update. Yeah, but that could be a full set. Mm, I don't know. How many players can you name who are not... We're not in last year's upper deck set. We're not? Yeah. Um, because each set will have like, series one will have like five to seven, say, penguins. Series two will have five to seven penguins, maybe eight penguins, never, never nine or ten. It's always like five to seven. So you're only featuring 10 to 14 players, plus a couple of rookies in the young gun set. But, you know, a team might use upwards of 30 players a season. Well, you're assuming that there's going to be a demand for some of these fourth-line guys or emergency call-up type guys that are, you know, playing on the Black Aces squads and stuff like that. Yeah, there probably will be some interest, but I don't know that they could base a whole 
series off of that and actually put it out there. It's not like Topps Update with baseball where everybody clamors over it because they're looking to stockpile away, you know, 10 cent prospects that are going to turn into Mike Trout. It's a little different than that because a lot of these hockey guys that get left out and thrown into that update set are the ones that come in later in the season or, you know, get called up. I don't know that they could trade. Yeah. Or a trade or something like that. But I don't know that they could support a full, you know, because you figure series one is 250 cards. Yep. Plus the rookies. Right. Or 250 with the rookies. Yeah. Series two is 250 with the rookies. So there you got 500 right there. Mm-hmm. And probably the vast majority of those young gun cards are of players that have only played one game. Right. Maybe a few. Um, the, the rare ones are going to be the guys that actually earn full-time jobs on their squads. And so I don't know. The way I mean, I don't mind the way it is right now, but going forward, I don't know that that would be cost effective for Upper Deck, especially because hockey collectors are uh, they're kind of a fickle bunch. They like things the way they are. They don't like change too much. I don't know about that, but I mean, some things. Yeah, but uh, just doing some quick math here. So each team has to suit up 18 skaters and two goalies, right? That's right. what you got to suit up. So that's 20 players that need to be in the game. 18 skaters, two goalies, 31 teams. That's 620 players or 620 subjects right there. So they could do three 200-card sets, and then they could do, I know, 150 rookies. Sounds like a lot, but hear me out on this. They could do, Series 1 could come out in September or October. And they could, you know, be all leftover rookies from the previous season. Because they always find 50 people for their MVP set or their victory set or whatever or close to it. So, or 50 rookies, I should say. So, that could be Series 1. Series 2 could come around, come out around Christmas time, be another 200 and then 50. And then Series 3 could come out around um, the Stanley Cup playoffs. And then that way you'd get a lot of those guys that make their debut later in the season. Then you're assuming that, yeah, 150 rookie cards, that's kind of much. So maybe, um, I don't know, maybe Series 3 you have some rookie cards and maybe, oh, here's a crazy idea. You do team checklists also as short prints. That would be awesome, actually. I would like it. No, no, no. We agree on a lot of things, but I don't think we agree on that one. Well, let's talk about some eBay stuff because I, sure. I I think we agree that what you found so far for that are pretty interesting. Yeah, keeping up with uh, our little uh, exploration of some hockey items that have sold this week. So just like last week, we, let's go backwards. Um, so we're we're gonna start with number five and work our way to number one. The the fifth most expensive card that sold. This past week on eBay had 48 bids in a regular auction format. And it was a 15, 16 upper deck, the cup honorable numbers, Connor McDavid, rookie patch auto. It was a BGS nine and a half. Um, and final, final score on that was $13,502. Wow. Yes. Um, so a lot of money for, a what would be considered more of a modern card. Um, 
a lot of what's a lot of what's in the top five are the usual suspects that we kind of see pop up. Uh, the number four uh, sold just a few days ago was a fifty-one Parker Scordy Howe rookie. Um, it was also graded. Uh, it was a SGC eight, mm-hmm. so that's considered near mint um, from an SGC standpoint. Uh, sold for fifteen thousand one hundred with forty bids. Wow. So a lot of uh, a lot of dough for uh, an important historic kind of piece um, from the hockey realm. Um, the number three card was a upper deck the cup Connor McDavid rookie patch auto. These were numbered out of ninety nine. So there are a few of them out there. This one's graded BGS eight point five, sold for. $19,888 with 26 bids. I was shocked that it went that high, but almost 20 grand for that particular card, and it's only an 8.5. Why were you surprised that it went that high? Because it's only an 8.5. Hmm. Um, so to combat that, shockingly enough, another one sold. Different serial number. I made sure I checked on that. Mm-hmm. Um. The previous one I just spoke about was number 92. Uh, this one was number 70. Got a nine and a half from mm-hmm. Beckett. So that's a gem mint according to their grading scale. $38,125 with 22 bids. Wow. So that so there you can see the difference in grading scale based off of a BGS kind of sliding scale of eight and a half versus nine and a half for the same card. One went for almost twenty grand. One went for almost forty. So one point in the grading scale made that much of a difference in the final auction value for these. Um, and then the number one card this week was actually um, one that pops up quite often, but I don't think since we've been doing these, it's ever been number one. Mm-hmm. Um, the nineteen sixty six tops Bobby Orr rookie card. Um, it's been on the list before, like I said, but I'm not sure we had it at number one. It's a PSA eight mm-hmm. sold for $44,544. Now, was this the test issue or was this the actual tops? This was regular the regular issue. Okay. issue. This was not the test issue. Okay. Um, but it had 48 bids on this auction. Now, keep in mind the source of some of these auctions. And um, for the sake of um, having people go crazy and, and be angry because of where who was auctioning these off, I'll protect their names, PWCC and Probstein. Um, but um, something that kind of drove my eyeballs was, you know, kind of looking at the, and I look at these every week just to kind of see, you know, what, what's selling for these high prices that I can never afford. And there's been a lot of talk over shill bidding and, you know, how many of these closed auction sales actually get paid for. There's been a lot of talk, especially in the basketball realm with the Zion Williamson cards that mm-hmm. um, they, they've been selling for astronomical dollar amounts and they've been reposted a lot of them. Well, I noticed that the same thing kind of happened this week too a um, 1516 upper deck young gun McDavid a pristine black 10 so 
Uh, when you're grading cards, BGS gives a black label for anything that's a pristine 10, meaning 10 across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, one was sold back in August for $8,100. That exact same card sold again from the same seller for $8,200. Hmm. The first bid had 14. This one had 23. So here it is. Obviously, it sold the first time and no one paid for it mm-hmm. because how else would they still have it again? Unless, of course, the new owner consigned it with the company that sold it the first time around to sell it for them again, which is a possibility. But in the period of August 22nd through October 28th, that card appreciated in value by $100. So that seems a little strange. Yeah, it's a little odd, but in, you know, I figured I'd point that out in the realm of, you know, with all the weird things that have gone on, but you can see, you know, you can make your assumptions here. I don't know that the card was paid for and re, you know, like I said, reconsigned or if it was just not paid for and they put it back up for sale, but I, I thought that was interesting. And the only reason why I know it's the same one, it had the same exact uh, Beckett serial number. So It'd be interesting to, um, yeah, actually, uh, I'll tell you this. I mean, I've been stung on eBay auctions before where I've, you know, I've sold an item and then the person decides they don't want to pay for it. And then I've relisted the item. And then that item almost never goes for what it originally sold for because the person who didn't honor their bid and didn't pay for it is usually the one that drove up that price so high the first time around. Right. I I had that happen too recently with a, um, with a football football card. I sold on a football autograph and there were all sorts of issues and the guy ended up reporting me because I wouldn't cancel his bid and this, that, and the other. Well, you know, you bid in good faith you decide not to pay at the end, that's on you. And, you know, it is what it is. And and I get it. There's a lot of that. Like I said, with all the talk of the shill bidding and everything else that's gone on in the, in the hobby and, and it's out there in the auctions, it's interesting to keep an eye on some of this stuff. But speaking of, uh, speaking of shady auctions, um, what did we find this week on eBay for sale? Okay. So one of the, one of the saved searches that, that I have for eBay and I have way too many of them. In fact, I have some things that I've saved that I don't even know why I saved them because maybe five years ago I was like, Oh yeah, I totally want a Tulsa Oilers set from whatever year because it had whatever player. And I hope that one pops up. But one of the auctions that I follow is for Scott Foster, who was the, um, he was the emergency call up goalie emergency backup goalie that the Blackhawks used uh, two seasons ago in a game against the Winnipeg Jets. He played a little over 14 minutes. He made seven saves. It's a crazy game. If you watched it, um, I ended up, he ended up coming to the Blackhawk convention that summer and talking about his experience. And um, I asked upper deck, I asked, you know, how come you're not making a card of him? And they said that he politely declined. Well, they ended up, making a card of him, not the same season that he played in, but in that Falls Opeachy set. I guess because he played, actually played in a game, not just was on the bench as a backup, but actually played in the game. Somehow they were able to include him in the, um, 
uh, what would it be? The eighteen nineteen Opeachy set. So the guy so, has basically one basic card and maybe nine or ten other parallels. Yeah. So if it was I, an Opeach. And you gave me one of those cards, and I thank you for that again. And I want to get all the other variants. But some people have like some ridiculous prices for them. Like somebody was selling like they wanted like fifty dollars for like the black border, or I don't even know if it's a black border, but like the whatever border variant. Um, and I'm just like, all right, well, you know what? I'll wait. Cause to me, it's like a couple dollar card, maybe a $10 card. Um, but what, what popped up, was, what was interesting was that somebody was selling six custom Scott Foster cards. And I was like, no way. One of them is an 88, eight in the 88, 89 tops hockey design. So huh. Of course I, clicked on the auction and feel like i've seen that before yeah because i made them so this guy basically went to puckjunk.com he saved my card images that i created because i created seven custom scott foster cards i had to set a number seven sounded like a good number and he made seven same saves that game um and you know i, I wanted to do an 88 89 design um, Mick Kern from XM Radio. He's like, hey, you should do a 7172 design. Um, I wanted to do uh, a 9192 Bowman design because honestly, it was kind of something easy and it would lend itself to a horizontal shot, et cetera, et cetera. So I did all these different designs. I put them up, I did a pro set design and I put them up there and I just wanted people to enjoy them. I wasn't making any money on them. I mean, a lot of people make custom cards for fun just to just to put up. Sure. Um, not, you know, put up on their website and talk about him and be like, oh, this guy never had a card. So I made a card of him. Right. So this seller took six of my seven images and he was selling six of them for thirty dollars, twenty nine ninety nine. And so I went to Twitter and I just said, hey, how should I feel about this? Like some people are like, well, you know, Sal, you can't sue because uh, you don't own those images. It's like, yeah, no, duh. Right. Like, I know this already. Right. But uh, it was just like I just said, yeah, what should I do? Should you know, I was thinking, should I message the guy? Should I send him the link to my site and say, come on, dude? You know, like you shouldn't really be. I mean, I probably put five or seven hours into creating those because I had to cut out some of the images and do this and do that, do the other thing. Now, I put some time into it, but it was fun. I did it because it was fun, not because I wanted to make money off of it, which I wouldn't. Um, but what happened was, was that um, uh, one of uh, the people that I talked to on Twitter actually messaged the guy and he got really upset. So I want to re read the replies. So uh, the friend from twitter what he did was he just messaged and said hey you didn't make these cards you shouldn't be selling them and uh let me see which one was the first one um you should read it in what i would imagine his uh douchey voices okay all right <clears throat> here we go what's with you guys in this listing i have these cards in my possession i purchased them from a seller at a card show that's like any hockey card you sell it technically belongs to the company that created the images and you using their images as copyright infringement if they care enough to pursue it. But in reality, it's just good advertising for the card companies to have their product, but no one cards. Yeah, that's what he said. But no one cards. You are the third person to bother me with this. Why do you guys care so much? And then a few minutes later, 
he sent my acquaintance another reply and said, who reported me? You? I don't get why you care. Whoever created these should have watermarked them, and I didn't take them from another eBay user. Whoever has the copyright claim, they're welcome to prove that the images belong to them. They would have to open up an eBay account, prove to eBay that the images belong to them, and eBay would have to care enough. Good luck with that. Stop wasting my time. Now, what's actually funny is that eBay did actually, um, Panini America was going after somebody who was selling custom basketball cards that were using the rated rookie logo, right. the contenders logo, they were using the um, Panini logo. So, yeah, eBay does care about that sort of stuff. Um, especially they, care, they care when it gets escalated. Right. Yes, um, that's the key. It's got to get escalated. I I don't really. And then, you know, it's funny. It was like a day later. Then the cards were uh, marked down to $14.99. Oh, yeah. I see. A little well, sale that, on them. That makes what, it better. You know, and what's funny is that the guy is like, he's also selling like some straight up legit reprints of cards that just look like bad color scans and photocopies of actual cards because he had like a bunch of St. Louis blues cards and I was looking at them and I'm like, that's a real card. That's a real card. Okay. That's, that's a, that's a fake card or custom card, but he had one of my Martin Brodeur custom cards and it was the, it was a fake Martin Brodeur card I made when he signed with the blues. I wanted to make some funny cards. So I made some bad on purpose custom cards where they kind of look like the old tops cards where they would do bad airbrushing or bad head swapping. And what right. I did was I cut Broder's head and I put it on David Backus's body because it has the captain C on the shoulder. And I made the head a little too big and the skin tones don't match. And it, it was made to look goofy on purpose, but he's selling it. On his eBay auction, like, you know, here are some custom blues cards. And it's like, that that one, if you look at it for two seconds, it's horrible. That that was my intention, but it's just funny that he's selling it like it's a, I don't know, like it's a masterpiece or so, or I don't know, whatever. Ridiculous. Yeah. The, uh, I don't know if you would chalk this one up into the category of dishonesty and, and stuff, but it's just another example of how there are POSs out there that just don't care. Yeah. So now we're going to talk about the 2019-20 OPG hockey card set. So just to get a little bit of the basics out of the way here, it's a 500 card set. There's a plus 100 port, uh, 500 base cards, 100 short prints. Of those 100 short prints, 50 are marquee rookies, 31 are team checklists, 10 are season highlights, 9 are league leader cards. The box configuration is 10 cards per pack. 18 packs per box and a box is selling for roughly $50. Um, maybe a little less, maybe a little more. Now, what I will point out really quick was that last year it was a 24 pack box. Uh, and the year before it was a 32 pack box, although there were only eight cards per pack instead of 10. So last year, a box had 240 cards. Two years ago, a box had 256 cards. This year, a box has 18 cards, or excuse me, 180 cards. Yeah, that was, uh, I think that's a, that's obviously a big reason why the price point is way lower. Mm -hmm. um, previous years, you usually saw the price point stay up over the $70 range. 
for most of the season, if not higher. Um, but everybody around pretty much has them under 50 bucks. And right. I think that's one of the big reasons. Okay. So, um, I don't know if I like that though. I mean, I get it. They want to make, they want to make the, the prices lower, but you're still looking at, even if it's like 50 bucks a box, maybe 55, maybe 50 in shippy shipping or 50 in tax, you're almost paying the same as uh, a pack of upper deck series one. Well, no, take that back. $3 for a retail pack, $4 for a hobby pack, maybe $3 a pack. If you buy a box, um, but still, we're looking at like roughly two seventy-five to three dollars a pack. I don't know if I see this as a set that I don't want to say is worth three dollars a pack, but I always thought OPG was just too high. The price point to me—I've collected it pretty much every year. I like it pretty much not every single year. I didn't like the first couple of years so much, but like really around two thousand twelve, I feel like they really turned it around. Uh, where I like the designs a lot better. Um, but it, to me, the set always just felt like it should have been a dollar a pack, like Victory. And instead, it's like $3 a pack. And I, I could never really figure out why. Because Victory, to me, is a nicer card. I know it's not out this year, but it's a nicer looking card. But the only advantage that OPG has over Victory is that it has an OPG logo on it. Um, well, Victory's always had, uh, at least when it was manufactured as its own set, it was always, uh, like a higher, higher stock paper. Um, you know, Peachy's traditionally that, uh, cardboardy type paper in the, uh, on the print. So it's got that like brownish back to them. But if I remember, Victory was always more of a, uh, I don't want to say high gloss, but it was more of the thicker paper stock mm-hmm. with the with the white. Um, you know, Victory's been reserved to. Uh, it always comes out on like the um, the specials. Like it'll be a randomly inserted rookie mm-hmm. um, that'll be a Victory black card mm-hmm. in, in like the Black Friday or or National Hockey Card Day or whatever. They've they've been doing that for the last few years, but uh, yeah, I mean, here's the thing: OPG to me has always been the set builder set. If you like building sets and you like chasing, you know, the a, a very large set that gives you a little bit of a challenge, OPG's always been the way to go. Mm-hmm. By shrinking the boxes and shrinking the number of cards that you get each year, it's obviously going to push a set collector to either have to seek more cards later on or buy more boxes. Now, obviously the lower price point allows for the buying of more boxes, but at the same time, if you're chasing a set, do you really want to go and buy six boxes of OPG to try to put the bulk of a set together, knowing that you're going to get doubles at some point or another, right? Two or three boxes, you may be okay, but that fourth box is always that wild card where you're going to start to pull doubles. And I've even seen in some past years, I, I don't, I can't speak to this year, but I've even seen where the inserts start to become doubles. Oh, that's frustrating. Yeah. Which really is upsetting. Uh, a few years back, um, the Opeachy stickers that they put in that looked a little bit like the 74, 75 design. Mm-hmm. 
um, where they, but they were all colored, like the team color borders. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I opened three boxes, and the first two boxes, all of the stickers were were different, and then in the next box, they were all the same as the first box. Now, obviously. Wow. I'm not going to say obviously. I assume those came from different cases, but I don't know. I can't really speak to that. So, um, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't a big fan of how they shrunk the size, but I'm sure they had their reasons. Yeah, and uh, we'll probably talk to them again one of these days um, about uh, about why. Well, obviously, it's a trying to find that financial sweet spot. Um, but case, you know, case count went up though, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Um, so what I like about, I'll tell you what I like about the set. I like the design. Um, I, I like the, the front design, you know, it's a nice, good color action picture. Um, it's not overly complicated. You know, my problem with the first few years of the OPG set was that they put the OPG logo very big. And I just thought that was ridiculous. It was like they were trying to hit you over the head with nostalgia. Now they make the Opeechee logo kind of small and out of the way. I mean, it's at the bottom center of the design, but it looks good. You have the logo, the position, the player name, the Opeechee logo. It looks good. The player's head is just kind of breaking out of the top border a little bit, um, which is or it's breaking. Yeah, breaking into the border a little bit, which is nice. I like that. I like that the, um, the short prints, I can't remember if they were... Back in the day, I want to say they used to be one in every two packs, and now it's like they're two out of every three packs. Because out of 18 packs that I opened, I got 12 short prints. Of those 12, six were rookie cards, three were checklists, two were highlights, one was a league leader. So I like that there was a higher concentration of short prints per box. I had the same thing, only one less highlight and one extra league leader. Okay, it was probably pretty interchangeable. But did, you got six rookie cards, right? Uh, actually, I got seven. Oh, I, got okay. an extra, I got an extra rookie card in there. Okay, so it's it's kind of a mix then of the... Uh, it's not like, like some are weighted more than others. But uh, I, I did like that. That was... Um, that's what I, I liked about the set. I liked the, the way it looked. To me, it looks like a hockey set. Uh, I liked that there were a few more... Um, well, what I felt to be a few more short prints. So I, I like that. Uh, what I don't like... The first thing I don't like is I've never, other than 0607, the first year they put out an Opeechee set, which I think that set was on par with Victory. It had it had nice, colorful border. Well, they were gold-colored borders, but they were, you know, colored borders, glossy front and back, nice white paper stock, uh, stats easy to read. After that, then they said, you know what? Let's just do these cardboard, I call them cereal boxes. Let's do these cereal box card backs that are like brown paper, which I just don't like because the contrast, it feels cheap. I know some people say, oh, it's like the old Opeachy cards, right? No, the old Topps cards had that really bad kind of brown card stock in like the, thinking like the 80s. Um, Opeachy was always printed on brighter card stock. That is true. You know, I think of like 82, 83, like you had like, it was a brighter stock and it was like dark purple ink. That looked cool. This has like some silver ink on the back, which is kind of interesting, but the black ink, it's still hard to read. And the other thing is, is that 
the stats are so tiny. I am not I am not exaggerating when I say that the statistics are maybe one point size above the copyright size. Like I expect the copyright to be small, but the statistics are as small as the copyright text. It's just ridiculous. I mean, I showed it to my girlfriend and I said, am I going blind or is this text really small? And she's like, oh my God, that's like copyright text. It is pretty tiny. Um, I think maybe it's like one point bigger than the copyright text. Yeah, that's what I said. Maybe it's bolded instead of, maybe that's the difference. I don't know. You're right. It is, it is pretty small and it kind of, I think it looks even worse on the, uh, the backs of the retro cards. Oh, really? I'll take a look at one right now. Let's see. Ugh, yeah. Because then you got the colored, colored stuff. You got like a colored logo, OPG logo, superimposed. Yeah, it is worse on the retro cards. You know, another thing. Um, I like the front design of the retros, though. Oh yeah, those are cool. I, I feel like for the most part, I've liked the retros. Um, each year. I mean, there's a couple of years where I tried to get them all. Um, obviously I, I haven't completed one retro set ever. Um, that's a but huge like, undertaking. Oh, it is. Yeah. Especially. Yeah, it is. But, um, with this particular set, um, I, you know, my other problem was that while I liked the abundance of inserts and parallels, I, I got an average of, yeah, because my breakdown, I pretty much got an average of two um, parallels, or excuse me, two inserts per pack. And I like inserts being like maybe one per pack. To me, that's like my limit. I don't like two per pack because then I feel like what they're trying to do is they're trying to make the set harder to put together because they give you this stuff that if if you're a set builder, inserts are clutter. They're extraneous. And I'll like I'll give you a for instance. Like 08. Unless you're a completist and you're building a master set. Yeah, but that's so few people. I mean, you're probably gonna just three. pick up your it's three people. Three people. Okay. Yes. Um so I remember like the 2008-2009 OPG, they did an an update set. And I don't have that I don't have that set. I have the set, but I don't have the update set. It was something like, I want to say it was like 200 cards because it brought it up to card number 800. And I've always toyed with the idea of trying to build that set. But a box of those particular cards, they were five cards per pack, but then there were two inserts per pack because that's when they were doing those metal inserts, like those metal retro inserts. And I was just like, okay, well, 40% of these cards that I buy are not going to help me finish my set or build my set. So... I think that was like the one problem. Like I like the playing card inserts. I like the retro inserts. I don't know if we need the black bordered retro inserts. I don't know if we need the blue border uh, regular inserts. Um, I said, I like the playing cards though. And then like these like kind of tall boys, I don't know what they're called. Um, Caramel. Caramel. Of course, of course. Caramel. Or, or caramel, if you will. No, 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 I will not. Um, Carmel's a town in Indiana. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Down near Indy. And then I got like some surprise. I guess it was the surprise, the Easter egg. It was a 
caramel insert, but it had a textured front. Yeah, like a wood. It's like a wood finish. Yeah, you know, at first I thought it was actually a wax. It felt like a wax stain. It it does. And the funny thing about that is they have those in Goodwin Champions this year as well. Oh, yeah. Um, they have a parallel that's got that same kind of finish to it, and that's exactly what I thought. Um, we won one of those boxes from one of the raffles at Upper Deck at the National mm-hmm. and opened up the box, and sh- there was one of those in there, and I thought, what the heck is all over this card? But it turns out it was a parallel. So what are your thoughts? I know I've, I've said a lot about this year's OPG set. Well, what are you thinking? As far as those caramels or caramels, depending on potato, potato, um, I didn't like them at first. In fact, I hated them because I was like, oh, look, a mini card, but it's not really mini. It's mm-hmm. just thinner. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, this is this is dumb. But the more I look at them and the more I've gotten a few here and there, I like them even more now. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to put the set together just because I think they're cool and I like that retro design. Um, I wish they were mini, mini, like the old champs or something mm-hmm. like that, but that's fine. Um, I think the playing cards is played out personally. okay because this is probably what the third fourth fifth year they've they've included those mm-hmm. um i get it but i don't know i don't need that that's just me um unlike you i do like the retro black borders mm-hmm. i i would rather keep those uh number one i like black bordered cards number mm-hmm. two those ones are the numbered ones so they're serial numbered out of 100. Um, now, they're not typical serial numbered like you see nice gold stamp on them. It's printed on the back with the same print as the actual writing. So it might be hard to see, but it's usually right in the middle. Oh, yeah. Um, it changes place yeah. if it's the rookie card or not. The blue borders I thought were kind of strange. Um, I didn't pull any of the gold borders in, the, in this box that I opened. However, I did open a previous box. Uh, earlier in the year and i did get a gold glossy border so that was kind of cool um and you know i like that i i like opg every year i like what they do i like the the kind of disbursement of inserts that they put in there because for not being a super premium product it gives i think every collector a little bit to shoot for Mm -hmm. um you know the basic collectors it's not going to break the bank to buy it with a box being, you know, under 50 bucks. Yeah. Maybe three bucks a pack is a little high, but it's going to give you a variety of things, whether you're chasing base cards or, or parallels or even some of the inserts, um, for a higher end collector, there's always the hockey patches, which are included again this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are a much, much harder pull, especially with some of the trophy cards being, you know, one out of, you know, tens of thousands of packs, uh, being able to pull them, they're definitely case hits, if not multiple case hits. Um, I thought it was kind of weird that the in-action parallels or inserts that used to be like a regular insert set years ago are now like virtually impossible to pull. Mm-hmm. I always like the in-action ones, even though most of the border design it takes up the card rather than the picture. Um, but, but, <laughs> but they... They always had the uh, the old OPG logo with the kids like trading cards. Mm-hmm. I thought I sort of liked that. Uh, my box did have something cool in it, which I didn't realize was uh, actually part of the uh, part of the set checklist until I kind of 
did some digging, but I pulled a um, Stanley Cup. What are they called? Stanley Cup Final Moments, I believe they're called. Uh huh. Um, and these were like one out of three hundred and sixty uh, hobby packs. I got a Jordan Bennington one that apparently is at even higher um, odds to to be able to pull out of a box. So I thought that was that was kind of cool because I wasn't expecting that. Mm-hmm. I will say this: the biggest thing that I do not like, and this is just me because to me it's really gimmicky, and it. Again, like like you said, when you're trying to build a set like I am, and I'm different, I'm not like the majority of the collectors, I'm putting the set together. So for me to open up a bunch of boxes of this and try to build the set and put all the pieces together, and then to turn around and realize um, there's variations of the base cards. Oh. So now I need to go back and look at everything I pulled to make sure that what I have in my set either is or isn't. A variation. Um, they announced that uh, there were 50 cards, or I guess they didn't announce. Surprise! This a, yeah, this was an unannounced thing, and hopefully we can talk to them about this. Um, so they offer a different a different photo um, of a few players, like in a handshake line, mm-hmm. rather than the regular photo. Um, I believe there were five of those that had turned up. There's also a retro alternative jersey version of some of the players' photos where it shows them in like their alternative, like third third jerseys. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of them being like full black uniforms and stuff like that. Um, or or you know, various colors that aren't normally used. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also a reverse negative. Um, and these are interesting and you can tell. The only way you can tell is if you look at the card, everything's backwards in the photo. What? Yeah, so you may not tell that the player's backwards, but if you look at the dasher boards, the writing's backwards. So wait, but the player's not backwards? No, the player's backwards too, but how would you know that? Well, you the logo really tell. would be flipped. Unless you, know, unless you know somebody's right-handed or left-handed. If you have a symmetrical logo on your jersey, which I don't know that any of them are anymore, but let's say you did. You wouldn't know that. But yeah, the logos would be flipped. Uh, numbers would be transposed and backwards. So so that's that's a version. And there's also a black and white test proof version where obviously the photos are black and white. Now, in addition to that, there is a um, alternative team logo um, one as well. And the team logo variations, there's a the base logo that you see on the bottom of the cart, where it's generally the graphic type logo. Mm-hmm. So like, for instance, the Red Wings is the wing wheel. But there's an alternative one that shows the retro logo where it's the script Detroit Red Wings spelled out. And again, I went through a bajillion cards looking for both the retro logos the black and whites, the reverse negatives, the alternative jerseys, the handshakes, et cetera, et cetera. And I had to do it multiple times because I forgot what I was looking for half the time. <laughs> so, again, it's just me, but, you know, that's a possibility. So I'm kind of anxious to go to my local card shop that I frequent or generally frequent 
where people bust open boxes, take the hits, and leave all the commons. Because I'm going to guess there may be some of these floating around in there. Yeah, they wouldn't know unless they knew to look for it. But then again, uh, that's interesting that somebody would do that with a set like OPG, because that's usually not the set I think of when people will buy it and leave behind the commons. Usually it's a set like Artifacts or, um, you know, SP Authentic or something like that. Well, and the other thing, too, is I don't generally think of Opeachy as being the one. There's enough gimmicks in there already. Why does there need to be more? Um, you know, with all of the inserts and everything else, and, you know, you get the retro blank backs of the, you know, the retro cards. Those have been included for years and years. That's to be expected. But, you know, there's all these inserts and everything else. I mean, if you get a chance, look up on the secondary market wherever you go, you know, whether it's eBay or ComC or whatever, check out some of the prices that people are looking for for some of these alternative photos. Um, it's kind of insane. So if, if you're a completist, good luck. If you're a set builder, stick to the base. If you're a team collector or a player collector, again, good luck. Good luck. Yeah, it yeah. was like last year with um, Upper Deck uh, Series 1, Series 2, and the Triple Exposure cards. Yes. And those were, like, pretty pricey. I don't know what they're down to now because I haven't looked, but I really wanted to get the Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves for, you know, just to have because I, I player collect those two players, but not like lot like where I spend a lot of money on their cards kind of more like oh I got an extra Patrick Kane and I set it aside I put it in a book um so I wasn't going to spend like $50 on one of those cards but I was kind of hoping that they'd be a little more frequent where they would just kind of pop up and that I'd be able to pick them up um yeah I don't know if we really needed you know to have playoff beard variants a couple years ago and handshake line variants just not not super excited about that like um yeah like you said you have to then then you have to like look for them and you have to know what you're looking for and it could be a it could be a card that just gets lost in the shuffle or you just look at the the number on the back and you say oh, i already have card number 62 i don't need another one and then you just toss it in a um box actually that happened to me one time um i'm embarrassed to say this <laughs> but i gifted somebody a bunch of cards it was a younger collector in another state and i gave him a bunch of i was building a 2012 2013 fleer retro and he emails me i sent him a couple thousand cards and he emails me and he thanks me for the evgeny melkin autograph that i sent what him. and i said what and he sent me the card and I looked at it, and I'm like, oh, man. So what had happened was, is I was building the set. Now, I know the back of every card, it says, congratulations, you have received an official upper deck trading card that has been signed in person by the player pictured on the front of the card. This card was signed in the presence of an upper deck employee. We hope you enjoy this collectible piece of history as upper deck brings you closer to the game, or something like to that effect. Wow, you have that down pat. More or less, um, I was looking at the card number and just looking at the back of the card, 
it was a standard card. The front of the card was a standard card, but it had the sticker on it. The back of the card was standard, had the statistics, had the same card number, had the same colored border. The only difference was instead of the little blurb about Malkin, it was that blurb congratulating me for getting a signed card. And I didn't even wow. know that they were doing signed cards of the base cards because all of the signed cards I was, was pulling were like a different design, like almost pro- like its own subset. What product was that again? 1213 Fleer Retro. Okay. So, wow. yeah. So he's like, I'm like, oh, I'm like, shoot. I didn't even realize I had that. I'm like, I just thought it was another duplicate of the card that I already had. And he's like, well, do you want it back? And I'm like, nah, just keep it. Because oh, that was a eh, random act of kindness. Well, I mean, sending him, spending $20 to send him, you know, a couple thousand hockey cards for his collection was also a random act of kindness. So that's okay too. But uh, yeah, one of them was, I figured, mm, my mistake. And, you know, I don't want to give something to somebody and then take it back. And then I thought, eh, it's kind of cool because now he has a, nice centerpiece for his collection if he i don't i i don't talk to this guy anymore um he was briefly writing for puck junk maybe about four or five years ago and he just kind of uh disappeared but um well you can definitely mistakenly send me a malkin autograph anytime you want well if i get one i'll uh i'll think about that but i I don't think i have anything signed by him i had a um what were those called? It was a Panini. Was it a luxury suite one where they were the rink side signings? I think. I think so. Yeah. And it looked like a little miniature rink that was cut out, almost shadow boxed. I had oh, a yeah. Mal- I pulled a Malkin autograph out of a box of those way back when I gave it to my wife. Cause that's her favorite player and she collects them. So that's awesome. Yeah. That's, that's nice. So, um, to, to give that to her because she collects Malkin cards. Yeah. Like that, uh, what was that, Opeachy, or not Opeachy, what was that card I gave her with the ring? The uh, I forgot what set that was from. What was it from Black? I think it was from UD Black. Oh, yeah, yeah, It was... Um, championship ring. It was a championship ring. It was from Black Diamond. Oh, Black Diamond, that was it. Yeah, that was, yeah. that's a nice-looking card. Yeah, that was cool. Um, Yeah, so um, any other thoughts about Opeachy before we wrap this up? I mean, I can, you know... OPG is not for everybody. If you're looking for the major Uber hits, mm-hmm. you're looking in the wrong place. However, there are major Uber hits in here. You just have to be willing to look for them. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, if you pull one of those Hall of Fame patch patches, <clears throat> there you go. I mean, definitely you're not going to retire off of it, but some of those are, are bringing some pretty pennies. And if you can pull some of those really hard to get inserts, uh, that those are nice too. Um, Overall, I, I mean, I like the set. I collect it every year. I look forward to it because, like we were talking about with Upper Deck uh, Flagship, being able to come out with a Series 3, this to me is like OPG or Upper Deck Series 1, 2, and 3. It's the biggest set of the year, and it's got the most cards to go after, and it's it, it's old-time hockey, and it's fun. Yeah, it is a lot of fun, and uh, it's, like I said, it's a set that I've built every year um, since the uh, first year that Upper Deck started putting out the OPG set. Um, It's usually a set that I like. Um, 
you know, despite my complaints about the card backs, text being too small, the backs not being that great looking, uh, I still buy the set. I still like it uh, for for what it you know for its its strengths, not its weaknesses. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I you know I always I'm always on the fence. Like, do I want to build a set or do I just want to buy a set? And I know, like, one year I bought a set and it was nice because it was like. I spent $130 and that was with short prints and then I was just done. I was done. I didn't have to, I didn't have to, you know, sort thousands of cards. And then there was that year that I bought the case and that was, I mean, that was a lot of money and a lot of opening and a lot of sorting. Um, but then I was able to sell off my extras. So yeah, I guess you really can't go wrong either way. Um, you know, with, you know uh, along those lines of what you just said, I always thought that was a good idea. You know, just buy the set outright, then you're done. Yeah. And as a set builder, that almost made me feel like I betrayed my entire hobby. About three years ago, I bought the base set for Flagship Series 1 and Series 2. Uh-huh. Didn't pay very much for it. Didn't buy a box like I usually do. Mm-hmm. Went and just bought the base sets, and then I've chased down the Young Guns. Still haven't finished it, but at the same time, I was done with the 200 in each um, series. But I felt horrible about it. It made me feel guilty, like I betrayed my hobby. And so I haven't done that since. <laughs> I don't know. I'm a glutton for punishment, I guess. Uh, you you know, it, I mean, opening the packs is part of the uh, enjoyment of collecting cards. I mean... I still can't understand how people would buy a box of cards, pay the seller to open the box of cards for them. I'm not talking about participating in a, a box break or a case break where you buy a team. I'm talking about where, where like DA Cardboard will say, we'll open the cards for you and stream it live and then ship them to you if you want. And it's just like, that's no fun. Yeah, and a lot of times they don't ship the base either. They just pull out the hits and say, here you go, here's your hits. Yeah, well, that makes a strong um, argument for something like EPAC, which we'll you know, talk about another time, because, uh, yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a huge conversation. Um, I agree. We could devote a whole show to EPAC. Yeah, we should do that in the future. Um, so I think that's it for uh, me on, on the... Uh, Opeachy set. Uh, yeah, like I said, uh, it's it's good for its strengths. If you like big sets, if you like uh, lots of different players, if you like a good variety of parallels, interesting inserts, uh, surprises, uh, it's got all of that. It does. It does. Go out and pick yourself up a couple boxes. Could uh, trade with us. Tra- trade me your doubles. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. And uh, we'll be back again next week. And if you like this podcast, please consider buying a shirt from shop.puckjunk.com. And until next week, thanks for listening. For more hockey goodness, follow us on Twitter at Puck Junk. <laughs>